Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan Lavoy, filling in for J.J. Jackson today. I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry with me once again here live in studio. Thrilled to be with you here yet again. J.J. today will not be on the program. He is going to be on the call, uh, the color commentator for Auburn men's basketball tonight as you watch that game on ESPN+. He'll do the color commentary alongside alongside of Wiley Ballard. So that is where J.J. is today. So Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here once again. Another good show on tap is always birthdays and sports. We'll have the nightly TV guide at the end of the program, as always, we'll have your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And we'll be talking, of course, about anything and everything, more Auburn football recruiting and uh, coaching commentary, uh, as Auburn did officially name Philip Montgomery their offensive coordinator today. All these hires have been reported, but finally starting to have one or two announcements from the university, making it them officially official so philip montgomery announced just a little while ago we'll continue to talk about recruiting as auburn continues to gain momentum in the the recruiting ranks and in the transfer portal we'll also talk some mlb hot stove about the braves another shortstop signing a large contract last night what does that mean for dansby swanson and the atlanta braves We'll talk a little bit about that and more. World Cup final set with Argentina matching up with France after France defeats Morocco 2-0 just a few minutes ago. So a lot of different sports topics for you. And, oh, yeah, Auburn basketball, of course, as mentioned just a moment ago, inside of Neville Arena back in action against Georgia State tonight. Ryan Brooks and Brant with you for the three hours. Brooks, start with you. How are you, sir? I'm great. Uh, it was a, It's a dreary day here, but uh, that's not getting the sports spirits down as uh, you know, we, we watched that match between France and Morocco in the office. Obviously, I think a lot of people were rooting for Morocco. A great underdog story in the World Cup, but came to an end. France is just a little too too uh, good for Morocco to beat. 2-0, they win. So final on Sunday morning will be Argentina and France, as you mentioned moments ago. Morocco still gets to play another game, though. They get the third-place game against Croatia coming up this weekend as well. So that should be uh, a fun matchup as well to watch. Um, we're getting closer and closer to bowl games starting Friday morning, 10.30 a.m. The UAB Blazers and the Miami, Ohio uh, Red Hawks meet in the Bahamas for the first bowl game of the season. So. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to talk about that today because right. I won't be on the show tomorrow, so that's coming up later. Thank um, you for that. You're welcome. Uh, so we're, we're getting closer and closer to bowl season getting underway. Auburn basketball, of course, as you mentioned, plays tonight. Can't wait to see the Tigers back in the quarter. Real uh, bounce-back game the Tigers need. They, they need to come out and you know have a, have a dominating performance tonight to kind of right the ship. And 
speaking of their last opponent, Memphis, that was a heck of a basketball game last night up there in Tuscaloosa as Memphis kind of pushed the, the Crimson Tide a little bit, but Alabama was able to uh, to get the win over Memphis. And so another another victory in the belt of Nate Oates and that, that Alabama team that looks pretty good to start the year. Uh, so that setting up for some uh, good contests down the road in conference play when Auburn meets up with Alabama twice. Uh, coming up here in uh, February and January, February time. So, yeah, good day for sports. Can't wait to talk through all of our callers as usual. Brant? Yeah, I'm doing great, having a great day. Uh, like you guys mentioned, that World Cup semifinal. The semifinals have been a little bit boring. Both of them have been multiple goal victories, but, uh, you know, it's still still entertaining to watch. World-class soccer, uh, soccer on the highest stage is a lot of fun to watch. We just don't get a lot of it here in the States, but uh, I love watching the World Cup, and it's been a, lot, it's been a really fun tournament to watch this year. Uh, so, but like you mentioned, Argentina and France, two of the best teams in the world, you know, and those are usually the teams that – get to this World Cup final, and I personally will be rooting for Argentina. I've always been a Messi fan, and uh, get it, seeing him win his first World Cup will be uh, pretty fun, but I do, uh, if, if we are going to go ahead and plant flags, I, I do think France will win it. I think they'll go back-to-back. I think they're the top-to-bottom better team, uh, but I am definitely rooting for Argentina uh, in this final. Uh, but oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was. I thought you were done. No, please continue. Please continue. <laughs> uh, I don't know basketball. We've got bowl games coming up. Auburn basketball tonight. Uh, we touched on Auburn Memphis yesterday and uh, talked about it with Justin Ferguson. You can go back and listen to that on our podcast uh, if you want to. A uh, good 15, 20 minute conversation with Ferg. But yeah, a great day. It's it's drizzly. It's dreary. It's very gray outside today. But uh, other than that, feeling great and uh, ready to do this again. Yeah, I was just going to comment that uh, that Argentina-France final uh, will, I think it will live up to the hype, and there's a lot of talent on display. Argentina has been a country that, for having someone like Messi, has felt like it has underperformed at major tournaments uh, because Argentina is a top five or six soccer country in the world, and until last year it had not won um, – even a uh, uh, Copa America in a long time with Messi. And so uh, I think they had been to a World Cup final uh, maybe really early in Messi's career, but they have not sustained the the international success that Argentina was used to having. I mean, they were winning Copa Americas in the 1960s, 70s, 80s all the time and, and have won a World Cup before. So uh, it's good to see them back on the national stage living up to the hype. And then again, for France, this monster, I was commenting to Brooks um, about 30 minutes ago that a lot of the same faces that were prevalent in the 2018 championship World Cup final for France are are still there. I mean, even some of their older players like Olivier Giroud at age 36. And, uh, of course, Mbappe was very young in 2018, but killing Mbappe, everyone knows him, Antoine Griezmann. Uh, Rafael Varane, I mean, they've got a lot of players that were very pivotal for them in 2018 still there. So this is the, the same team, and so it's a great team. Uh, it'll be uh, definitely worth watching. But uh, Auburn basketball will hopefully be worth watching tonight as they take on Georgia State. Uh, 7 o'clock tip inside a Neville Arena. Over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Airtime is 6.30 with Auburn Sports Network. Uh, Auburn 
about a 20-point favorite. The line, you know, hit or miss. I think it went up to 21 and a half before the show ended yesterday. Right now I see it as 19 and a half. So let's just call it 20. That's where it's pretty much hovered at. Uh, we we kind of mentioned briefly yesterday how it, it, it's kind of tough to correct things or be very confident that you've corrected things when you play a, a opponent that you are projected to handle and you are playing at home. So let me just pose the question. Is there any scenario tonight that would make you feel a whole lot better after watching uh, the Memphis game on Saturday where you feel that the mistakes made against Memphis uh, are not going to be repeated? I won't say there's anything that's going to take away my fears totally. I will say that I'm I want to see that Auburn's bigs are making more of a prevent excuse me handling the paint a little bit better, making their presence felt, especially on defense. Um, if you can go in there and do that, I'll feel more like you're back on track because to me that was I talked about this a lot yesterday. That that was what troubled me the most about the loss to Memphis is that you gave up so much in the paint and it felt like they took your bigs out. Uh, on the defensive end of the floor. So if you can get back to playing good defense on the interior, I, my fears will not be totally gone. But uh, I, I will say, okay, they've they've realized that this is the problem. They have figured out what the problem is, and they are working on it. Like you said, it's tough to say that they've totally fixed it in what four days, five days, and uh, certainly against an opponent of the caliber of Georgia State. Um, but it certainly, I think that's a step in the right direction if they can pull that off. Georgia State's had a couple interesting games this year. Uh, they challenged Georgia Tech immensely around this time of the month. Last month, they lost to Georgia Tech just fifty-nine to fifty-seven. But and uh, and then after beating Mercer in overtime, they then had struggles. Uh, they lost to Eastern Kentucky by a point. They were o- only able to beat Texas A&M Commerce, which I'm sure the commerce the business is booming. They only beat them by four. They then beat Ash- UNC Asheville by six. Lost to Belmont, who has been traditionally a small conference power. Uh, beat Middle Georgia State 79-53. Uh, but in their last matchup on Sunday, uh, as in 10 days ago Sunday, not three days ago, they lost to Northeastern 66-46. to So that 5-4 and four record for Georgia State, uh, not exactly stellar. But uh, still a team that, look, you, you, some obvious points here. You want Auburn to play well. You don't want to be talking about a, a 75 to 70 type of win or a uh, 63 to 49 type of win. You want to see Auburn win by 20, 25 points. You want to see them score 80, not give up much above 60. But, uh, you know, I think to answer my own question, I don't, you, you just can't get enough out of playing a Georgia State team. Uh, to, to make you think that they've corrected everything. Now, if you want to say some more good news, I mean, Memphis went to Tuscaloosa last night and played the Tide a full 40 minutes and were always in that game. Uh, they did ultimately lose that game 91-88, but they were able to score 88 points last night hitting just one three-pointer. I think they were something like one of 12 from three for the game. In that and, w- and the three came in with literally a second, a second left. left. Yeah, so they were able to uh, get to the rim on Alabama, score from two-point territory in all the same ways that they did against Auburn. So what I'm starting to see with Memphis is that at least the hope if you're Auburn is is that you actually played maybe a very undervalued Memphis basketball team that is going to end up maybe in the top 25, going to end up having a, a really good season. Let's go ahead and go to our first break of the program. Today we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line when we come back. James from Montgomery will lead us off on the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. 
I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brent Dontry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon, a very rainy Wednesday afternoon. We do we will see some storms in the area a little bit later, too, so we might want to check the radar as you head to Neville Arena or are beginning to leave Neville Arena tonight. Uh, some of those storms could be severe, especially a little south of here. So just uh, be weather aware this evening. All right, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the Auburn Bank phone line today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know um, yesterday, I know that everybody was talking about uh, Coach Mike Leach, and I really think that, you know, Coach Leach, he's a really, he was a really good guy, you know, that that most of the uh, young men from Mississippi State looked up to. I mean, he was like a father figure to them in in that uh, sense of, of being there for, for, the, for his uh, football team and the players as well. Yeah, it was very sad news. Uh, we we again talked about it a little bit, and uh, Sunday when it was announced he went to the hospital, and things just kept getting worse, and all these stories have been pouring in over the last 48, 72 hours about what Mike Leach meant to a lot of different people, including former players, but also to media members, to fans, uh, just to the college football world, and uh, he will be greatly missed. Yeah, he will, he will truly be missed, and um, he has a, a heavy heart, you know, on the sidelines with, with fans and players and his uh, support team with him that was, you know, sticking by him through a lot of, um, a lot of good things at, at the University of Mississippi State. And I know, you know, with, with the University of Mississippi State, we do, um, you know, send out our condolences to his family as well as the Auburn family. And, you know, I do have a lot of memories of seeing Auburn actually playing against Mississippi State with Coach Mike Leach. Uh, I think it was like in 2004 when uh, Tommy Tuberville was the head coach at the time. Uh, so what a lot of Auburn people are referencing is 2013. Uh, Mike Leach's Washington State team was the first uh, game for Gus Malzahn as Auburn head coach. And then he also ended up coaching Mississippi State in what would be Gus Malzahn's last game as Auburn head coach back in 2020. So Gus Malzahn faced Mike Leach both to start and end his Auburn head coaching career. Yes, because I think in 2013, that was my first time actually becoming an Auburn fan. And then in 2020, I was just trying to see who was going to be, you know, the next head coach after, um, you know, Gus Malzahn left and, and you know, with uh, the new uh, coach that we have now and Hugh Freeze, I think he's going to do an amazing job this year and next year as well for 2023 and beyond as well. Yeah, he's uh, got a lot of work to do, but uh, he's <clears throat> been hitting the recruiting trail pretty hard here in the 
first couple weeks on the job. He's now hired most of his staff, all most of the key roles at least. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, been getting going here. And, again, a lot to do. But uh, Auburn will try and make it as quick of a rebuild as possible. Yes, as well. And then with the Auburn men's basketball game that's coming up tonight, I'm actually going to be watching that. And I know we're playing against Georgia Southern, so I think Auburn would have a really good uh, 100% advantage over Georgia Southern. So I think this game would actually be like a 98, almost like 99 on the on the score on the scoreboard, as well. So it would be 99 to 87. That would be a very high-scoring game. They are playing Georgia State. Uh, okay, Georgia State, I'm sorry. No, all good. Uh, so uh, another team out of the Sun Belt from the state of Georgia. But uh, Auburn is favored by about 20 points tonight, so they do hope to win by it. double digits at minimum, but they'd, they'd hope to be able to rack up the score. Yes, as well. And then with the NFL wrapping up uh, this coming up Sunday um, with week Fifteen in the NFL uh, week schedule. Um, I've already has my uh, fantasy lineup already ready to go for uh, tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday. So I'm just gonna see um, who's gonna step up and who's gonna uh, take me to a divisional round um, playoffs uh, for week fifteen as well. Who are you most excited to have on your team? Um, well, I actually draft uh, T.Y. Hilton, so I'm going to see what he's going to do. So I'm just going to see how many uh, fantasy points he's really going to put up. And um, I got some other uh, key players that I'm looking forward to. Um, I've got a couple of um, Tampa Bay Buccaneer um, guys, two of them on on offense. And then I have the defense, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then I have uh, J.J. Jackson's uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, defensive uh, squad as well. Oh, that's awesome! I, I've got we got to make sure he knows that uh, he'll be back on the show tomorrow. But uh, his Panthers been playing a lot better lately, so that might not be a bad pick. <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's not a bad pick, but everybody's wanting to know the age old question about the Dallas Cowboys: Would we face? Uh, what what team will we get out of uh, Jalen Hurts? Will we get like the rookie Jalen Hurts, or will we get the um, like will we get the new like the rookie Jalen Hurts, or will we get the old Jalen Hurts that he's been you know the 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 Jalen Hurts that I've seen in the past that got injured and came back, but I'm not quite sure if the Dallas Cowboys, I think the Cowboys would have a tough road in that. So I think that one would be in our favor to win because with Michael Parsons, he's a really good uh, Cowboys player. So I think with that being said, I think this one, this game sticks out to me the most as a, as a big win on the road when we play um, Philadelphia next Sunday. Yeah, you're right. They do play next Sunday. Your your Cowboys have the Jaguars this weekend coming off a big win against the Titans. But uh, I know a lot of people will be looking forward to that Cowboys-Eagle matchup. The Cowboys will have to win that game if they want to 
win the NFC's Eastern Division. But you're right, Jalen Hurts has played much better this year than he did as a rookie, and he's definitely in MVP talks. And right now, he'd be my pick as the Eagles are 12 and one. Yeah, so they're twelve and one. I think they'll be twelve and two next Sunday. So I think the Cowboys will uh, make it to the divisional round and actually go to the wild card division in the NFC. I think they're in the NFC North, and I think if we win that division, then we'll look into into the distance, you know, of going to the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, as well. Yeah, the uh, the Eagles and Cowboys are in the NFC East, so that's uh, the division they're fighting for. NFC North looks like it'll be won by the Minnesota Vikings. The Lions not mathematically eliminated yet; they stayed alive last weekend. But uh, yeah, NFC East is what's got the uh, the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and uh, Commanders. Yeah, so I'm actually looking in the northern division of the NFL, and I'm looking at like the matchup between my Cowboys, and I'm looking at maybe like a good uh, rematch between the Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings to meet up in the Super Bowl in 2023. That would be a really, really good matchup as well. Uh, that would be a great NFC championship game, but since they both are in the NFC, they, they both can't make the Super Bowl. Uh, but but maybe one of them will, but they're going to play someone like Kansas City or, or Buffalo or, or Cincinnati, someone like that. Yeah, because um, a lot of people have been asking me, um, do I see like a Dallas Cowboys uh, team meeting up with uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and I said it could be possible, so I'm pretty sure that it could be that would be a great matchup as well and with the Cowboys beating the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl as well. That would be a classic matchup for sure. Do you have any other uh, final thoughts for us today James? Um, I don't have anything else but I am going to just be watching the Auburn men's basketball game tonight and seeing if we're going to win so I'm hoping that we'll win this one tonight. Uh, we are hoping for the same. We're hoping for a, a big bounce back after that Memphis game for sure. All right. Nice talking to y'all guys and War Eagle. War Eagle. We appreciate that phone call, James. That's uh, James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go to our next break of the show today. More sports call coming up after this timeout. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back. Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Brant and Brooks with you here on this wet Wednesday. Not as fun as a wacky Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday will be coming back probably in the new year. Oh, uh, I miss Wacky Wednesday. Uh, Tom is... Okay, quick sidebar here before we get to our next caller. 
Do you like the story time the most? Do you like when we try obscure, you know, food well, items? Well, you see, the thing about it is we try obscure food items. This goes back to our conversation yesterday, which right. if you missed it, make sure you go listen to it on the podcast feed. Um, but that is that's one of my favorite because I. I I supply the food usually. I'm, I'm the one that finds the new foods and, and lets people try them. Um, but the stories are – some of them are, are fun. Some of them are, like, kind of predictable. Like, Yeah, I mean, because you know they're going to be going to be wild. Yeah. So you kind of know that, like, X unbelievable occurrence and then – Especially the ones that are like, this was – oh, this was a young celebrity and this happened to them. Uh-huh. It's like – but you, it start, is. you start telling the story. It's an interesting story, but it's always like, okay, so who, which famous person is this that you start to think about? It is cool to learn which famous True. person had that start. It's more of a bio on them. But uh, so you kind of like the food. So what else have we done? We did the uh, water chugging. Slash, we did. Uh, we did the that. That was kind of an offshoot of the eating competition. Eating. I'm I'm with Brooks. I, I love the the weird foods but we brought in like the tailgate candy corn and we brought in like weird flavored jelly beans i say we brooks brought those in yes um yeah the stories i am kind of like y'all like some of the stories are really cool but brooks is right they do occasionally get predictable um well, the eating the eating competition well, it, the one that started wacky wednesday was when jj just started sprouting facts about bees <laughs> and yeah. it was like the reproduction cycle of bees. We talked about that on air. Yeah. Now, I want to say Justin Ferguson was in the studio for that. No wonder he hasn't been in the studio. Yeah, yeah wow. like that might have been the last time he was in the studio. Jeez. Well, it is something to marinate on because uh, we do plan on bringing that back uh, at some point in 2023. But uh, for now, all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call at Join Sports Call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. With that, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, doing good. Thank you for taking my phone call. And uh, a happy Wednesday and a happy flipless to you and to Brent and uh, Brooks. That's right. Absolutely. You know, it's, that, it's that time of the season. We're flipping people left and right, aren't we? They sure are. Yeah. Uh, there's two people, though, that... Would really, really uh, put an exclamation point on flipping somebody or, or getting a commitment. That's those two people from Montgomery, Russell and Smith. Yeah, I know Auburn's been uh, targeting them amongst a lot of others, and I know Tony Mitchell's somebody they've been targeting, trying to get him to flip from Bama, but uh, you're right, Montgomery uh, guys would, would be big. Now call me, you know, uh, Auburn fan who's paranoid, um, but I hope we're not being played because Russell Smith had been, I mean, so often, I, I forgot how many times he'd been to our, our games this past season, and all I'm seeing is Chris Ball predictions are going to Alabama. So what would be the expectation, guys, if they would come to as many games as they have to and visits uh, and then just go to Bama? Uh, because, I mean, if you can go on a visit, you know, you should, basically, because, I mean, it's – you kind of get more than one, right? It's been like five or six games. No, I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying, like just in general, if people can wine and dine you, you know, and you you get to just be 
feel like you're important and and get to go all these places and keep coming back and all that stuff. I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, why not go to Alabama and, and go visit them, lift them line and dine you? They've got more because it's more than thirty minutes away. Uh, you mean they can't uh, pay for uh, travel expenses for them to go to Tuscaloosa? I mean, I'm sure they can, but again, the the point remains: like, you're a lot of kids are going to take advantage of being able to to go places and and uh i mean i'm sure there's real interest there but at the same time like if you're a 17 or 18 year old and you get to do all this stuff mostly for free and, and all these universities will pay for you to do special stuff i mean why why wouldn't you take them up on their offer uh, okay, that um, valid point has merit. Uh, I just was thinking, yeah, if you're going to go that many times and you're, you know, constantly, you know, frequently uh, going more than you have been other places, um, you know what? And of course, you know that's happened uh, a number of times. Has it? I can't recall when that's happened. On the flip side, that someone has gone numerous times visits to Alabama and then they flip to us at the last minute. Yeah, I mean. Honestly, you know, I, I'm sure it's not happened as much. I, I feel like it probably has happened, but also we don't keep track of who all is visiting Alabama uh, frequently. You know, we, we primarily focus on who's visiting Auburn frequently, and maybe we've heard about getting scholarship offers from other schools or maybe uh, a last-minute visit to one of those schools. But, you know, I like I couldn't tell you how many times Rousseau has been in Alabama because I just I don't keep up uh, with, with that kind of stuff and, and who – these other schools bring in as often as who Auburn's bringing in. Yeah, I don't either. All right, moving on. Guys, about the game tonight. Uh, I've read some comments from uh, the players, and they said that uh, they apparently were as prepared as they need to have been. They didn't have the energy, and they should have. And now several players uh, who are familiar with the team and some who have, I want them, I know somebody that's a teammate that plays for your state says uh, that this team uh, – coming to play this night, um, they're not going to be taking the view that you know, they're just going to come in and get a paycheck, that they're going to be ready to upset us. And so I've looked at the uh, several websites' uh, predictions for the game tonight, and I hope they're right. Uh, it should be like this. Uh, team uh, Real-Time RPI has us predicted to win 83-59. to Yeah, that that sounds pretty good. Pretty good. And then uh, – the uh, other uh, website, Sportsline.com, has us winning seventy-nine to fifty-eight, and that's about so, in line with the uh, the Vegas line. Yep. Do you think we should be able to hold them to around fifty-five or fifty-eight points, something like that, under sixty? Yeah, and just scouting what they've done this year, Georgia State has not scored a lot of points. Uh, they are five and four. We were going over there. Uh, resume a little bit earlier and they they just had a game against northeastern where they scored like 44 or 46 and so that um, they do not seem to be offensive oriented and they've they've won a couple 60 something the 60 something game so it would be a real opportunity for auburn to to shut a team down well let's hope uh the uh, prognosticators are uh on top of this one uh interesting enough too uh brian i heard uh, was it maybe a Brooks that you came up after I got off the phone yesterday with the uh, the rankings or the ratings of uh, both USC and Washington? Yeah, that. that. And yeah, uh, I'm I mentioned that because I, I can't make sense of this one. Uh, Real time RBI has future games uh, 
projected wins and losses for Auburn, and they have us losing both of those games. I mean, it, it's the only thing that I could explain because Auburn is, uh, you know, if, as far as the rankings, you, you look at all the net rankings and everything, Auburn is a better basketball team than both of those, uh, USC and Washington. The only thing that I can think of is this is the first two true road tests for the Auburn Tigers, and they're going to the West Coast, so your body clock's going to be off a little bit. Um, and and those two places are very tough uh, environments to play in on the West Coast. So that that's the only reason that I could see that we were, would be, we'd be picking against Auburn. Sure. I mean, I understand the being, you know, not at home and being on the road. But when I heard those rankings, I said, good Lord, 113, I think, was a USC's ranking. Yeah. I mean, they can't be that competitive against us, or they shouldn't be. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about the net, though, is, and especially this time of year, I wouldn't label USC as the 113th best team in the country. They are a 7-3 and Pac-12 team. Now, if they played a bunch of nobodies, that's going to negatively impact their net. I think ultimately they're going to finish up as the 60th or 70th best team in the country. I think they're almost going to be a bubble team ultimately or maybe make an NIT, something like that. USC, I believe, was an NCAA tournament team last year. So, you know, I I don't think that's truly who they are and how they would rank if you're just ranking purely the best basketball teams because so much of it is who you've played to this this point. And, of course, when USC starts playing in the Pac-12, whether they win a bunch of those games or even lose several of those games, they're going to be playing teams teams that are actually going to increase their net ranking pretty much win or lose because they're going to be playing good teams. So they are not ranked well now, but that's also why we noted that you can change your net ranking throughout the year, and therefore it changes how many quad one or quad two wins you have. It's an ever-changing and ever-evolving process. And what you said has a lot of merit to it. but putting that aside, what about talent level? Surely our talent level is better, um, and they don't have talent that's comparable to ours, or do they? I mean, I, I would think that USC would be more um, would be more on Auburn's level than Washington would be. I'd have to go and look up, you know, particularly what USC has been recruiting. Obviously, Auburn's recruited very well and, and has a lot of talented players. But to this point, not everyone that's talented on Auburn's roster is living up to that talent. Auburn's best True. players are, are still pretty much guys that were actually the quote-unquote lesser talented players. Like Wendell Green Jr. was not supposed to be, uh, if you just look at a recruiting ranking or where he came from transferring from from uh, uh, Eastern Kentucky, that's not supposed to be one of uh, big school's best players, and yet he is. So I, I, I'm sure that USC uh, Auburn recruiting rankings would outweigh Washington and USC. But USC, I can at least come up with. I mean, that's a big program. They've had some successes recently. Their talent gap would, would should not be that much. I would say I, I just looked up quickly in the basketball rankings from 247's team rankings. At least 2022's class for basketball, they had the number seven class in the country. USC did. Yes. So okay, USC had a top ten class. Last last no, I'm, I wouldn't. I'm going to have to go back and look at you, you know at least four years before to see what they would be right now. But uh, at least this, the most recent class, 2022, they did pull in the number seven class in the country. There you go. Okay. Um, well, since recently we have lost to Memphis, and apparently it's a very talented team. Do you would you say that USC or Washington has those kind of players that we struggle against? Again, USC, uh, I, I do. Uh, Boogie Ellis is actually someone uh, I believe he's their best player I would have to 
uh, scout them a little closer. Uh, but he's someone that actually transferred uh, from Memphis. Go figure. And uh, he does wow. lead, he does lead them in scoring. I, I'm looking at it right now. He averages 14 and a half a game. Uh, so. I mean, it would be very similar. It's kind of hard to quantify 10 games into a season for teams that, that literally never play each other uh, because USC does not play many teams on this side of the of the Mississippi. But uh, I, I would think that they would be very similar. And um, with the, this, this observations, um, what about their three-point shooting uh, for USC? Do you know what it's like? What, how, how efficient they are? Yeah, so they're not a great three-point shooting team either. Uh, Boogie Ellis shoots it at 36.5%. He does shoot a lot of them, but they don't have anyone that shoots above uh, 36.5%. they got a couple guys that shoot in the mid-30s with Boogie. Uh, their second leading scorer, Peterson, uh, shoots 35.7. As a team, they shoot 30.6 uh, from three. I believe Auburn shoots around 28 or 29. I'm double-checking that real quickly. As a team, Auburn shoots 28.5%, so neither team particularly good from three. Speaking of that, guys, I watched probably the last maybe 10 minutes of the uh, Memphis-Alabama game last night, and I'll show you my head. You know, or did you watch the game, you know what the three-point shooting was for uh, last night for Memphis? Yeah, we, we were watching that game. I, I don't know if One it, of 10. Yeah, if it finished one of 10 or one of 12. Could, but, they, yeah. could, could they have done that against us? We would have won the game. Yeah, I mean, they. what obviously was notable, though, even against Auburn, was their ability to get to the rim and Auburn not be able to bother their shots. And the fact that they scored 88 against Alabama, hitting just one three-pointer, kind of proved that Memphis is not really... Uh, reliant on the three ball, that they've got a lot of good drivers that get to the rim. Because I'll tell you what, see, Memphis only shot four of 11 from three against Auburn. They did not shoot many threes against Auburn either. Uh, so, I, I mean, that three point, it's actually very impressive that they're able to score these 80 point games, really not hitting any threes at all. Right. And that tells me maybe our defense wasn't as woeful as I thought they were uh, that night against Memphis because uh, apparently Alabama couldn't stop them either. Yeah, that that would be the hope. Again, again, in this day and age, I mean, they were one second away from not hitting a single three. And I have no idea when the last time Memphis had not hit a three is, but for a quality program like that, it would have had to have been a long time ago. Yeah. All right. Uh, Moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, Mr. Philip Montgomery. I saw his comments, and he says, uh, we're going to bring Auburn back to being a national championship challenger and more up-tempo offense. Uh, so my question is this, guys. You know, um, I'm sure you've heard and read the comments made by uh, Coach Freeze that uh, he apparently would still be maybe calling a good deal of offensive plays, or will he not since he's hired now Philip Montgomery? What, what are your thoughts on that? What's your sense? Well, I mean, if you go back to Hugh Freeze's opening comments uh, when he was introduced, he, he spoke about different coordinators and different coaches around college football that he said that you could help each other out. So, you know, it it feels like this could be one of those um, this one of those moves where you have a different situationally, like Hugh Freeze calls a place in certain situations, and Philip Montgomery calls a place in certain situations. Because I think this is a uh, it feels like this is a hire that 
that you know Hugh Freeze talked about, where he's going to come in and help out uh, Coach Freeze in the areas that he needs help in. Because you you look at uh, we talked about it yesterday with uh, Montgomery. You, you you see all the quarterbacks he's been able to coach at Baylor, all really really high quality quarterbacks. You've seen the quarterbacks and the offenses he's had at Tulsa. They've been uh, you know it hasn't been phenomenal offenses, but you know that's it, as Justin Ferguson said in the interview that we had yesterday. That when you go down to the AAC and down to the lower you know levels of FBS college football, those teams go up and down. It, it's just it, it's hard to keep a team going at the same clip every single year. And so he did a, a pretty decent job with his offense out there at, uh, at Tulsa over the years that he was there. So you know, the reason I bring this up, guys, real quickly, I know what time's all this up, is I'm concerned. I hope to gosh this is not going to be a repeat of a Gus Malzahn 2.0 where he kept saying he was going to be hands off and he'd get back involved again and then he gets off again. We never had an identity. Uh, it was always mixed match, you know. But do you see that concern of mine being unwarranted? I don't think it's unwarranted because every anytime you have a an offensive coach, that's what's going to be the the talking point around not just you know not just shows like this like talk radio, but around the fan base is oh you you know if things go wrong, you're going to blame the play caller first, which is then the head coach, and then it's just going to back and forth. But I think no matter what you're going to see here with Hugh Freeze, because you you saw him as the play caller at Liberty, they had uh, success in his entire time at Liberty. He was a play caller at Ole Miss. He was uh, had you know, success at when he was at Ole Miss. I, I think that as long as Hugh Freeze is the head coach, his fingerprints at least are going to be on the offense, and so you're going to know the identity of what this offense is going to do, no matter who is "quote unquote" calling the plays in certain situations. Okay, because you know, I'm just wondering. Well, since he's hired somebody, I hope that he trusts that he's going to let them, you know, be the primary you know, offensive play caller, and that he'll just maybe involve himself. You know, maybe. Maybe crucial, maybe downs or something. And otherwise, it'll be truly Philip Montgomery's offense. Or will it be? We don't know. Is it Leffler calling call? Is it uh, somebody else doing it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I think, but like I said, I think this is going to be Hugh Freeze's offense. He's probably going to be calling the plays in most situations, but Philip Montgomery is going to come in, he's going to deal with the quarterbacks, and he's going to be able to help Hugh Freeze in certain situations. Okay. All right. Well, since I'm thoroughly confused myself, and maybe uh, hopefully not yourself, I'm I'm out of uh, asking more confusing, uh, complex questions. So, that said, guys, um, I think, uh, is it uh, you or Brett that's going to the game tonight? It's going to be, uh, I myself will be at the game. Brent may go as a fan. He he was talking about it earlier, but uh, we we are yet to see if he's going to buy tickets yet. And I get to hear Mr. JJ uh, do his uh, uh, color commentary, right? Yes, on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Okay, so guys, thank you for your time. My time is way, way up as always. So until uh, next time, Brian, you're going to be off for the rest of the week, right? Uh, I should be back on Friday. No, I'll be back on oh, Friday. Okay. All right, then. Well, uh, enjoy your day off for me, and uh, I'll talk with you on Friday. And the rest of you guys, I'll talk to you tomorrow. So until next time, Warrior guys, have a safe afternoon and evening. Warrior, we appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired War Dam Steve. Joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. That will pretty much perfectly lead us into the hour break. A fun first hour hearing from James from Montgomery and then retired Ward AMC. A lot of talk there about Auburn basketball. Again, a lot of people eager 
for this West Coast road trip for the Tigers. We are as well. But first things first, they've got Georgia State's Panthers inside of Neville Arena tonight. Out of time for hour number one. More sports call coming up after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call kicking off right now, Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy, filling in for J.J. Jackson. Got Brooks Childress and Brent Dontry with me here. What up? On this Wednesday afternoon. Howdy. It's not bad to do a mic check after... uh, Sometimes the person in charge of the board does not know how to turn on other mics at times because he runs his yap so much. So uh, good to do mic checks there. (laughs) But uh, Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here for hour number two. If you missed hour number one of the show, we had retired Ward M. Steve. We also had James from Montgomery. We have a little bit of breaking news here um, from Brandon Marcello and others. I think Pete Thamel reported it as well. Uh, Mississippi State is opting to hire their defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, and make him the permanent head coach. His deal is expected to be for four years. Of course, that was a defensive coordinating candidate for Auburn, but with the tragic passing of Mike Leach at the age of 61, Mississippi State doing having to do something that's borderline unprecedented, hire a new head coach after the death of the currently serving head coach, and so Zach Arnett will get the nod there. Uh, I think it makes sense. I don't know what kind of national search they could have had. Obviously, this is very late in the process. I would have been very intrigued to welcome Dan Mullen back to Mississippi State if I was a Mississippi State fan. Uh, but at the same time, this was absolutely not going to be a normal circumstance. So probably best to just stick with the coherency of the program uh, over the last couple of years with Mike Leach and then with, uh, obviously, Zach Arnett 
uh, being on staff as their defensive coordinator there. And, you know, they were they had a top 40 defensive in total defensive rankings uh, coming into this year. So not a not a terrible, you know, it, it's this isn't like, oh, this is a, you know, you know, the bad situation. We're just going to stick him in because he's already here. But he was a good defensive coordinator. He had a good defense. Um, you've already got guys in the in the house that know the offense, too, that Mike Leach ran. And so it, it shouldn't be that big of a, a transition over in the uh, with the with the staff here for Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, Ryan, you said it best. That this is kind of an unprecedented situation. We were talking about a little bit over the break. This has never happened in, in our lifetimes. And I can't really think of any stories I've heard in the past of this happening, of a sitting head coach uh, dying suddenly and unexpectedly. And, you know, the the passing of uh, of Mike Leach is going to leave holes in, in more ways than one. Um, and like you said, promoting a guy from from within, uh, you, I guess you this this is going to galvanize that football team, and, and they're going to play for Mike Leach, I'm sure, and uh, promoting somebody from inside who understands uh, what, what's what's been going on there for the past couple of years is, uh, I, I think, the right move and probably the, the best move to be made at this point. Right. No idea if uh, they will find success there, but I also think at the, the moment – uh, it's just about uh, their Mississippi State family. And, again, reminder, same people or, or, or same problems that would have faced Auburn if they dragged their feet or just any school uh, in this day and age that with all the portal things going on, with all the recruiting things going on, again, Mississippi State, uh, life has to go on for them, unfortunately, after something so tragic. And they had to do something fairly quickly or they're going to get the national signing day here in a week and, and not have – a head coach or uh, go through a lot of uh, portal decisions not having had a head coach and now they keep continuity of staff as much as they can and again just an unbelievably tragic circumstance and, and we've talked about uh, the more important side of this which is the human side of this but there is the football side of it ultimately as well with mississippi state and, and having to do something that uh, is just never never foreseen and so very difficult circumstance for them but zach arnett uh, will become the next head coach at Mississippi State. I believe just one FBS job open, Brooks? Yep, Navy is the only uh, re- remaining job open right now. And uh, that one a little bit unique because they don't exactly have the same sort of recruiting priorities. Their recruiting uh, at Navy is very important. Uh, it rides a little bit more on other things other than football. Uh, but uh, Navy's timeline might be a little bit different. But uh, So, okay, Navy the only job and the FBS that remains open. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on our Auburn Bank phone line. But before we do anything further, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports, once again presented by Max Credit Union. Check out either of their two locations. DK Metcalf turns 25 today, current wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Selected 60th or 64th overall in the 2019 NFL Draft by the Seahawks out of the University of Mississippi. Soup. 2022nd Team All-Pro, 2020 Pro Bowler, DK Metcalf, one of the talented wide receivers to come through Ole Miss in the last decade, turns 25 today. Obviously, you remember what he did at Ole Miss as a good wide receiver, but the thing that sticks out every time I think about DK Metcalf is chasing down the interception. Yep. Against, oh, wasn't it, it was Buda Baker. Yeah. Chased down Buda Baker yeah. uh, and, and saved a pick six. 
that he is one of the more physically intimidating people uh, alive. And uh, by the way, would have been recruited by Hugh Freeze if he spent 17, 18, and 19 uh, in Oxford. So DK Metcalf turns 25. Kyle Shanahan turns 43, the current head football coach of the San Francisco 49ers, previously served as the offense coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, Cleveland Browns, Washington Commanders, and Houston Texans. With the Falcons in 2016, Shanahan coordinated an offense that led the league in points scored and helped the team reach Super Bowl 51. He was hired by the 49ers in 2017 as led them to an appearance in the Super Bowl in uh, 2020. He was the 2016 AP NFL Assistant Coach of the Year. Kyle Shanahan turns 43 today. We'll move on without snide remarks from Brooks about his, uh, his, Bowl 51. His offense is so good. And when you have... I enjoyed his offense you, you in had, the Super Bowl. You had... Oh, no. Hey, man. There it comes. Hey, man. I just didn't want to cause strife. I just I, didn't want to, Oh, no. I am... Not trying to talk any trash here. I'm not trying to hear it from you, Childress. Um, but yeah, you had prime Matt Ryan. You had prime Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Devontae Freeman, and his three good years in the NFL. Um, it, it, a it's lot of good fun, offense. A lot of fun to watch that offense, and it, it made a Matt Ryan an MVP out of it. Nicholas Batum turns 34, current forward for the Los Angeles Clippers. Selected 25th overall in the 2008 NBA draft by the Houston Rockets out of Le Mans. Sotharth from the French League. Sure. Sure. We'll stick to Le Mans. Yes. Was traded to the Portland Trailblazers on draft night. Also played for the Charlotte Hornets, which was a regrettable time in his career. Nicholas Batum turns 34 today. Robert Covington turns 32, current forward for the Los Angeles Clippers. Went undrafted from the 2013 NBA draft out of Tennessee State. Also played for the Houston Rockets, Rio Grande Valley Vipers, Philadelphia 76ers, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Portland Trailblazers. 2018 NBA All-Defensive First Team, 2014 NBA D-League All-Star, and 2014 All-NBA D-League First Team, 2014 NBA D-League Rookie of the Year. Robert Covington, excellent in the D-League, in case you did not know. Robert Covington, age 32 today. Lonnie Walker turns 24, current guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, selected 18th overall in the 2018 NBA draft by the San Antonio Spurs out of the University of Miami. Let's go Canes. 2018 ACC All-Freshman Team, 2017 McDonald's All-American, 2017 Mr. Pennsylvania Basketball. Don't hear that too often. Pennsylvania not as known for the basketball. But Lonnie Walker turns 24 today. Adam Frazier turns 31, current MLB free agent, second baseman slash outfielder, play for the Pittsburgh Pirates, San Diego Padres, and Seattle Mariners, 2021 MLB All-Star. He will sign a contract, I would assume, sometime soon. And Craig Biggio turns 57 today, former MLB second baseman, uh, for the Houston Astros, seven-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, five-time Silver Slugger, 2007 Roberto Clemente Award winner, 1994 NL Stolen Bases leader, has his jersey number seven, retired by the Astros, member of the Houston Astros Hall of Fame, and inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 2015. Craig Biggio turns 57 today. 
And that is our lengthy list of birthdays in sports. Uh, two things, Biggio. Son plays for Toronto right now. Cabin. Cabin. Yep. Uh, second, as always, we, we encourage anybody to send us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Bossy Pants Barnhard on Twitter uh, quote tweeted our birthdays in sports tweet said, Craig Biggio will be 90 someday and still look like a kid. And that's probably accurate. And still be able to hit a line drive to right field that's for a right. base hit, uh, if I had to guess. So those are the birthdays in sports today. And, of course, if you have a birthday out there, we wish you a very happy birthday as well. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Again, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free. one 888 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. How about how about you guys? Doing well. Yeah, I see Mississippi State didn't Mississippi State didn't waste any time hiring a coach. You thought they wait till after the burial or some kind of memorial service uh, before they uh, hired a coach, but they went ahead and jumped on it. Man, ain't been dead what two days yet, is? Right, but I think that's uh, one for one because it's someone that was on his staff. I, I think that that uh, avoids any uh, ill will there. And then two, I mean, unfortunately, with with how this recruiting process is and the portal process. I mean, every day they wait is a day they fall further behind. So they really weren't afforded the luxury. The, the memorial service is going to be next Tuesday. It was just announced. Oh, wow. uh, and and uh, Humphrey Coliseum in their in their basketball arena. Uh, they really, ju- I mean, just the, the way recruiting is, it dictates that they had to get on it. Well, you know, uh, when they jump, so, I mean, it's good to be promoted within a staff. You know, stuff like that usually – Certainly does uh, happen more in a Division One, Double A, and Division Two than anywhere else in the country. Uh, that sort of kind of promotion period, as far as promoting coaches, uh, very, very uh, big in that area. But uh, you know, with being big boy football, I wish they would have went out and looked for a coach. Uh, you know, that doesn't give African American a shot at becoming anything. I mean, you know, you don't have any African American coordinators from the beginning. And then you're trying to get to the head coaching level, being a career assistant like Ronald Gardner is for 37 years, and nobody's uh, – you can't get any attention any kind of way. And, and he, you know, they zeroed in and jumped on him right off the bat. Well, the, you know? well, the thing the, the thing here is for this – at least this situation is you don't really – if you're Mississippi State, you don't really want to go out and, you know, clean house with going and getting someone new outside of the outside of your, your own sphere because the kids just lost their head coach. The Mississippi State community is grieving, and you don't want to go out and get rid of everybody on the co- – you know, get someone new that maybe get rid of everybody on the coaching staff and start all over while everybody's trying to, the, to cope with this. I'm not – you know, we're not saying that the, Arnett's going to succeed and, you know, going to be the the guy for years down the road but it, it's probably the smart move right now but you, you you're making some great points that more people need to be given opportunities out there uh but it, it, at least for this situation there there probably was never going to be a great way to go out and make a big coaching search when when your head coach just you know passed away well you have a point there but it, okay i say on the, oh, you can go this route then i would have made him an interim coach for uh, the two the 20, 2023 season and then after that season, maybe uh, uh, open the search up and uh, and went that route instead of signing him to a four year deal right off the bat. Just say you just uh, if you go ahead and service uh, for a year. After that time, uh, we will reevaluate everything. We thank you, demand, and we'll sign you to a, a, a contract that's reasonable. If not, we'll go in another direction. But from a financial standpoint, we're gonna take care of you if you take care of us for the uh, twenty three uh, season. And that that could have been uh, something that they discussed, but uh, you know, apparently they wanted to have a little bit more, at least a little bit more stability there. 
Well, I mean, we'll see how it works yeah. out. It, it it definitely will fall in place for them good as the early signing period comes up and all that kind of thing. And, and like you mentioned, keeping people out of that transfer portal or whatnot, we'll see how that works out and everything. Uh, what is the bowl game and who are they playing? They are going to play Illinois at the ReliQuest Bowl, which is going to be the, what used to be the Outback Bowl in Tampa on, I think oh. it's uh, New Year's Day. Oh, wow. That should be a barn burner. I remember the last time Illinois played a Southeastern Conference team, I as far as I can remember, I think uh, Coach Bryant took his last team to the Liberty Bowl in 1982 and had a comeback win and everything and uh, went out of legend and, and died uh, a few weeks later and everything. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, well, that's all I got for today, I guess. Uh, other than uh, how, uh, I see, uh, how's Auburn recruiting? Any more highlights to Auburn recruiting? Uh, they were able to get that uh, interior offensive lineman uh, late yesterday afternoon. Uh, they flipped him from Miami, uh, depending on the oh, wow. uh, depending on the service. He's either a four or, or three star guy. His name's Connor Lou. He's out of uh, out of Georgia, um, and but uh, nothing today that I can think of. I'm going to say, but, but Anthony, the, this guy's yeah. been on our radar uh, that okay. we knew about this. But earlier today at Auburn High School, offensive lineman Braden Joyner signed his uh, scholarship, committing to play at Auburn University. Four star offensive lineman. Oh, wow. So he went ahead and did it, huh? Yep. But well, we'll see how that works out. We can follow him closely. Anybody else out of Auburn High, uh, this uh, area that Auburn High plays in? Uh, I'm, I'm, sure there, I'm sure there's a couple guys down at Phoenix City and a couple guys at Auburn okay. High that they're looking at, but I wouldn't give you, I couldn't give you any uh, names right off the bat. All right, I see. One other thing, I did think of something. Uh, to my understanding, Alabama messed around and jumped on Memphis last night. I uh, had a close game, a three-point victory or, or whatnot, and uh, – Went ahead and took care of them, and I mean, look like they're on some kind of roll there, gentlemen. Uh, they are. Alabama looks uh, really good. They're going to contend absolutely for the SEC. Their their uh, phenomenal freshman Brandon Miller is is skyrocketing up uh, NBA draft boards. Would not be shocked if he ultimately becomes the number three overall pick. He's definitely going to have a chance to get there. One and two are kind of locked up because of Wembenyana and Scoot Henderson, but uh, three on down is available and. And Miller is is something else, and, and Alabama's played very well this year. I think this could be the team that sweeps the Southeastern Conference this year. I do not think they will go undefeated, no. But they they uh, they could win the conference. The the thing is, though, is there's two or three others that are really good. Arkansas uh, and Tennessee both look really good. Kentucky has not looked as good. They do have some parts from last year's team, uh, so I wouldn't write them off just yet. But uh, I think the SEC is going to be pretty good, especially at the top. It should be. And I guess the uh, Iron Bowl of basketball, everybody's going to be looking forward to seeing that there. <laughs> yes, it should still be a big one. Auburn uh, obviously still ranked. They have their own issues, but only one loss on the season. I think we'll know more about the team after they go out west and play USC in Washington next week. When does conference play start, gentlemen? Uh, last week of December. I think Auburn's first game, I can look okay. up Alabama's really quickly, but I know Auburn's oh. first game is Florida on the 28th. Uh, oh. And I think uh, I think a lot of the league would probably start that day. So, um, But, yeah, Auburn versus Florida on the 28th. Uh, Alabama goes to Mississippi State on the 28th, and Mississippi State is undefeated right now. They're ranked 17th. And aren't they still going to have that Big Ten challenge or when they play a team in the Big Ten this uh, year or something or whatever you want to call it, interleague play or however you call it? Yes, the uh, SEC Big 12 challenge, and that's usually okay. end of January or so. Oh, wow. We'll be looking to see what all teams are looking like at that point, uh, Auburn, Alabama, and everybody, Tennessee, and everybody else, and we'll see what it does. I hope everybody's in a good position at that point because people going to love it. I'll talk to you all later.
Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate the phone call. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's get one more call in here before we take our first break of our number two. Next up, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins the program. Daryl, good to talk to you again. How are you? No, you don't get tired of talking to me, aren't you? No, not at all. We don't get tired of talking to any of our callers. Okay. Uh, no, disrespect, no disrespect to the previous caller. Uh, he's sort of like Shadow. He he gives me thought-provoking thoughts and, and uh, instills me to call in and say my thing, uh, thing. I guess that's a good thing. Sure. Absolutely. We want okay. we well, want other callers to uh, engage other callers sometimes. Well, uh, not disrespectfully, and I don't know if you remember Shadow, but you know he had his thoughts, and often I could, he had strong uh, thoughts at times. I didn't often yeah. agree with him, but I called in response, uh, sure. and I guess that's what this is. Uh, sure, but I understand the way Mississippi. Uh, Went to the uh, in-store in hire, as you call it, I guess. That's what I call it. Uh, and then uh, uh, I'm sure Coach Leach, he wouldn't want the whole program to stand still waiting for a memorial service or a funeral service. You know, things move on. And I'm sure his family and uh, his memory will be compensated. and Not compensated, but just well thought of. But... The old saying, yeah, show must go on. They announced uh, a, a public um, memorial service here in a few days at Humphrey Coliseum over there in Starkville. So they are putting together plans for that right now. Well, as you commented to uh, the previous caller, his name's Anthony out of Auburn. Yes. Uh, you don't have time to put together a coaching search. Uh, not in this day and age. Um, in a sudden... Uh, death or retirement or, or whatever circumstance of uh, just gotta move on you know and you know back in the day 20 years ago yeah you could but with a transfer portal and early recruiting classes you gotta jump on the gun and you gotta show some continuity in the athletic program uh, and and what's the new coach's name? He's defensive coordinator. Yes, uh, Zach Arnett. He'd been on Mississippi State's uh, staff the last couple of seasons. Well, just sort of like Kevin Steele after uh, Gus Malzahn. You know, you just got to have that continuity. You know, and then Mississippi. Yeah, that was up with Lane Kiffin. They only have a four-year contract obligation. You know, and I'm sure. Uh, the new Mississippi State head coach understands that this is not temporary, but we'll just go with it for one season, two season. How's it goes, you know? And if you want to move on, you can. And if you can stay and succeed, that's great. Yeah, I, that's my. Yeah, obviously the contract will be for four years, but uh, we know that coaches get often get fired too, and uh, he, he'll be guaranteed a couple of years. I'm sure. I don't think they'll be. Uh, rushing to get him out of there they'll they'll try and build it around him but uh yeah and i think what you talked about a little bit earlier too we we certainly agree with is it's an unfortunate circumstance it is they've they've got to continue on because uh i mean every day they wait we're getting closer and closer to the national signing day uh the transfer portal has so many names in there that that uh auburn's got so many kids visiting big one grayson mccall from coastal carolina is visiting this weekend like every day you wait is a day that you just fall further and further behind in recruiting and in the transfer portal 
Well, not only that, it was just when Harson's uh, tenure and at the end of his tenure, you know, you get kids that decide to enter the transfer portal out of Mississippi State because they're not sure what direction they're going to go in, you know. And uh, the ultimate thing is athletes, young athletes have to look after the best interest. There, there, there's some character and staying with the program, but yeah, this is kind of unprecedented uh, to my knowledge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the sheer numbers of, of players transferring we've never seen before. But, you know, and that's a new thing. You know, I'm old school. You know, you used to, if you want to transfer, you have to sit out of here. But, right. Um, and I'm just beginning to understand this transfer portal stuff and the NIL stuff. You know, I wasn't even sure what the NIL stuff was. You had a person that's in charge of the Barbara University NIL, and it's, a, it's not a university program. It's an LLC, or I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. It has nothing to do. It's not funded by the university no yeah you're correct but and then i think it's a great thing because it gives the kids opportunity to not get trans ams well i don't even know what kids drive nowadays (laughs) it's not about corvettes whatever but it gives them some financial stability and then evidently they're uh encouraged to invest or they're educated about investment possibilities so, yeah, and uh, it's, it's you know I've been you know I'm an old man I'm not old but I'm aged you know but you know and I'm just trying to and that's a good thing about this station is in your show is like you have the person with in charge of NIL explain for as little as thirty four dollars you can be a sustainer. Right. Um, yeah, that's a lot. A lot of people don't realize uh, anybody can can contribute in that way and. Does not have to be a big sum. Yeah, you know, you don't have to be uh, louder or rain or whoever. You know, you know. If I had to wear it off, you know, I, I, I choose to use my charitable money to other sources. You know, but you know, should I make more than ten thousand dollars a year? I might be a thirty-four dollar a year sustainer. <laughs> 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 That's all my thoughts for today, guys, and um. I guess you're going to be stuck with me until Christmas because I don't have anything else to do but listen to Sports Call at 3 o'clock. Well, you keep calling in, Daryl. we love to hear from you. Okay. Well, like I said, I didn't want to uh, disrespect the previous caller. You know, I just have some different opinions. And sure. But I don't think you did. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, I guess that's the free speech amendment. And we all have reasons to agree to disagree to people's opinions, but, you know, everybody's got one. Absolutely. Well, Daryl, we do appreciate that phone call, and we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Okay. Well, you got me until about 5.30, and then we will listen to Economic News on NPR, okay? That Just sounds make sure, great. Make sure the stock market's doing good. Well, it's not only that. They, have you ever listened to uh, Economic News? No. They address everyday issues as far as uh, uh, the, the labor force, the cost of living, inflation, price of gas. All important things to know. Yeah, and then the effect of the Ukrainian war on the economy. And uh, if you got time, after, well, you don't have time because you can't listen to it because you're working here. So. <laughs> I, I can see if they've got a podcast. Oh, I'm sure they do. You know, and uh, between um, you guys, keep me informed in sports. I use that radio station to keep me in 
platform to the uh, news of the world and the economic news. And then I'm this old school dude. Uh, I go to the library and read the newspaper and I check the email three times a week. Yeah. I, and I've got a flip phone. I don't have a smartphone. That's talking to the federal government, the IRS. And they go, well, if you call this and this number, uh, you can set up a, a fax over the phone. I was like, well, how do I do that? Well, you know, if you, you've got a smartphone, you just do this and this and this. It's like, well, I've got to put, go to PacMail. How am I going to fax you of a document <laughs> sitting there on the hold with an IRS, you know? And what, I guess I guess these smartphones, people take it for granted, and they have these apps and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. world keeps yeah. moving forward. Well, you know, I, I, I felt it's a Star Trek thing. You know, it's a telecommunication device. I call yeah. people, I receive calls, and then I do receive texts in response. Uh, can you be at my apartment at what time? And I'll text 3.00 p.m. And then I hang out. And I tell people automatically, like, listen, I'm not going to give you a three-page paragraph on a text or an involved text. You know, it's but it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, well, okie dokie. I'll listen to you tomorrow, and I got you on the 530. Sounds good, Daryl. We do appreciate the phone call, and uh, we hope uh, you enjoy the rest of the show until 530 and then the economic news. Yeah, and then uh, I got another desk from the TV, uh, from the library. I'm going to watch the last episode of The Sopranos, and then I'm going to finish it up with a, a Colombo, and then take my night-night medicine and go to sleep. Well, you've got the uh, the whole evening booked up then. Well, that's my whole week. <laughs> Unless somebody's hot water here blows up and it changes a little bit. But anyway, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, we appreciate that phone call. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our first break of the hour. It's been moving through very quickly. On the other side of this break, Tony from Tuskegee will join us. So hang on the line, Tony. We'll get to you in just a couple minutes. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Sean Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontree, Brooks Childress with you here. On this fine afternoon, just had a couple of good phone calls for from Anthony from Auburn and then Daryl from Auburn there talking a little bit about Zach Arnett becoming the head coach at Mississippi State, was their defensive coordinator, and some other items as well. Let's go right back to the Auburn phone line to open up this next segment. Next up on the program, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us. Tony, how are you doing? All right, how about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. 
Yeah, I was listening about this NIL, and um, you look at the students that are transferred. I mean, it's got to be for certain different reasons other than, you know, just playing time as a freshman. But you consider the fact that you come in a class, 22 of y'all come in a class as freshmen. You take the instance with um, Bryce Young over in Alabama. What was he getting, $3 million? Uh, I know it was at least a million or two, and uh, that's yeah, certainly thought, most of, more than most. I think he got another contract for $3 million. Uh-huh. Well, you just say, Finster, you got those offensive linemen out there in front of him not getting anything, what, five, ten thousand dollars of a fifth. And, um, I mean, you, it's just like working at a, at a break shop. You come in there together, you all start together, you got one guy making seven or eight dollars an hour, and you making ten. I mean, does it have an effect on, on a person personally does it just make them want to just you know stop playing or let him get a hit sometimes just to bring him down to earth or something I don't know if it, if necessarily the guys that are making the NIL money are, are thinking that way because you know you look and uh, it, it's already been done in the NFL where guys have different contracts and everything and you're still on the same team playing together you're, you you've got a quarterback that's making hundreds of millions of dollars and you've got offensive linemen that are making a couple million so it, it's you you've already seen the the NIL stuff in the NFL base you know with with contracts and endorsement deals and then when you yeah. get into college you know you've got a guy like Bryce Young making I, I just looked it up 3.2 million is his NIL valuation right now and then you've got his offensive line and other guys on that team that aren't making nearly as much as that but you know the the, the thing is you know you're all on the team you're all playing together and then I'm sure Bryce Young is going out there and especially with his offensive line is you know taking care of them is you know buying their dinners every you know at least once a week or going out there and getting them you know like a watch or a pair of headphones you saw Tank Bigsby uh, uh, you know, a dinner and a Mercedes or a, a, a Maserati, all that's different. You know, this guy driving whatever he wanted, and, 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 and that's petty. A, 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 a ribeye steak dinner and all that on watch. I mean, that's got to have an effect. That's got to have an effect on it in the business. I mean, obviously, you, you do. I'm sure there are guys out there that are leaving their schools to go search for better NIL deals. But you know, it, it I don't think you've seen it divide locker rooms right now. I think everybody is kind of, you know, still one, still trying to figure all the NIL stuff out because it's only been in effect for about a year. But then two, everybody is on the same team together. Everybody, you know, works together. I think everybody's happy that you know everybody is finally getting getting a chance to. To profit off yeah. of their talents, but look at look at the players that's leaving Alabama. Five star guys: Brock, Miles, Isaiah Bars. I know, I know y'all people, but I was just looking at thing and what does TCU have to offer? 
I mean, that could be a, a playing time. That could be a we didn't get get enough playing time as a freshman. We're going there for playing time, and you know, it could be they they want a little bit bigger piece of, a, of an NIO pie that you know, guy guy like you know upper level guys at Alabama are taking a little bit more off the top of it. So they're like, we're going to go get it somewhere else. That I don't think it's creating any hard feelings between teammates. Yeah, I mean, it's not probably not between teammates, but I mean, you just sit in. Look, I mean, I, me personally, I mean, if we, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sit around and work around anybody. And I know, you know, I, I, I'm trying to create value for myself, and I'm sitting around and working just the hard, doing the same thing, going through this, whatever they call the process, and this guy getting three million, and I'm, you know, and I'm still riding a bicycle around campus. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm pretty much looking at. Well, and I think too, though, I mean, the playing time becomes uh, more of an issue too because if you're second string in Alabama or even third string. Uh, and you transfer somewhere that might be a lesser school, but where someone near you can be the guy or at least be a starter, do you not think that that would kind of even out the money or even out the NIL opportunity that you would get? Because obviously you're going to value your your top players more, and I know Alabama has a lot of money, had a lot of resources. Yeah, but, well, what I'm saying, though, some of those schools they transfer into, can they afford that like a – Auburn, or Alabama, Texas A&M, those schools, can they, can they afford that? Can they afford to pay their, their backups like that? I mean, that? the NIL, do they have an NIL, NIL program set up? I know the school is not paying anything, but do they have an NIL pro, uh, program set up like that with that amount of money? I don't think a lot of programs have the you know same amount of money as other schools. Obviously, it, it, it you know goes back to before NIL was even a thing. Uh, you had uh, like an Alabama or a USC or a Clemson that has the facilities that are better than other schools and everything. It, it, the bigger the bigger fish in college football are still going to have bigger NIL purses because there's more people that are willing to put money into that NIL. But it, it, it's very much every school is uh, getting an NIL uh, collective set up somewhere around them. And so there is money around most of these school pr- these programs. It's just there are still there are other schools like in Alabama, like a Michigan, like an Ohio State that are going to have of more big-time boosters that are willing to put more money into it than yeah. than other schools. Yeah, I know people are, com- are comparing like a player with a coach. A coach, he can leave whenever he get ready. So, ready. so uh, a student athlete should be given that same opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that every school is now realizing, um, because even for Auburn that that does have a lot of resources, they got behind initially on NIL as well. And you've seen over the last 12 months them start to catch back up. So I think other schools, I think at least everyone's now aware of the importance of it. Now, can the middling schools – you know, get competitive enough to equal out some of the, you know, lesser guys at big schools and, and attract them. 
you know, we'll see. I, I do think you see signs of that happening, but uh, it's always going to be a resource battle in recruiting, and uh, ultimately it's able to be a little bit more above board now, but uh, it's nothing we haven't seen before in terms of you, you still have those tools to try and, and attract players other than just, uh, as you mentioned in the beginning of the call, playing time. I got one other thing. Auburn finally got somebody that can develop a quarterback. Yeah, with uh, uh, <laughs> Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze, yeah. Uh, Hugh, no, Hugh Freeze. Hugh, Hugh Freeze. Uh, well, uh, yeah. sure. I mean, Hugh Freeze, uh, but again, that their OC hire, too, with Montgomery working with all those Baylor quarterbacks over time and that sort of thing. But, yeah, obviously Hugh Freeze, uh, what he did with Malik Willis at Liberty has been well-documented. Uh, a couple good quarterbacks like Chad Kelly and Bo Wallace at Ole Miss. Uh, had one year Shea Patterson, so yeah, yeah, he's absolutely had some really good quarterbacks. What, what was the guy at Ole Miss that beat um, Alabama? Um, this big guy they had. Uh, Bo Wallace was the quarterback in 2014 when they won in Oxford, and then in 2015 in Tuscaloosa it was Chad Kelly. I think it was Bo, the big guy, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and I got a friend of him. Shaq says freezing in Auburn now. He says freezing you around and all <laughs> But anyway, man, yeah, I enjoyed talking to y'all. But, uh, you know, I think that was a, you know, great high. People talking, people talking, you know, people changing. That's the way of life. So, you know, and I'm, I'm glad for all of them. Yeah, we will uh, we will see how it all pans out. But definitely, Hugh Freeze was at the top of or towards the top of Auburn's wish list. And uh, the guy win, the guy win ten games the national championship. He'll be just like Nick Saban to Alabama, folks. You know, only thing you hear you hear is just a good thing. Because I really believe he'll win a championship at Auburn. Okay. Yeah. All right, y'all have a good one, and thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. We appreciate that phone call, Tony. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Just a couple minutes left in the hour. Tony uh, kind of talking about uh, more NIL stuff there and uh, just the world of recruiting and, and uh, resources and that sort of thing. I wanted to uh, look this up because we were, you know, we, we talked about NIL with Tony right there. And this is back from July, an article from July from uh, Yahoo Sports. But, you know, it's still I'm, I'm sure things haven't changed that much uh, in, in the rankings, but they have a top 10 rankings of programs NIL benefits. So essentially, these are the top 10 programs in the country that have the most NIL resources as of July. And like I said, I'm sure things haven't changed too much with this list. Um, I'll start with number 10 and go up because I think we all know who number one is. Is USC is number 10, Oklahoma 9, Georgia 8, Texas 7, Clemson 6, Ohio State 5, LSU 4. The surprising one, Nebraska is number three. Wow. Then Notre Dame is two, and then Alabama is number one. Notre Dame's second in yep. number two. That okay. is interesting, Notre Dame being second. Uh, so, yeah, so that's as, like I said, that's as of July. And so I'm, I mean, I it's still think pretty recent. Yeah. Things would have yeah. changed too much. But yeah, so uh, most of the, the names that you would think was on there, but Notre Dame and Nebraska being in the top five is. Uh, Where was A&M on that list? <clears throat> they weren't. They weren't on that not, list. Not in the top 10. They used it all last year. They did. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all gone. And now it's. Uh, 
all gone in the form of player capital because they're all in the portal. Uh, so uh, that kind of crashed and burned. And uh, when we look into previews next year, it's just going to be so uh, wild to look at how different even a roster like A&M's <coughs> was. I mean, in the past, you have this huge recruiting class and they just get better and better. And maybe they don't all play as a freshman, but you know, they, one of them, a couple of them slide into starting positions their sophomore year and you say oh yeah that guy was the number two defensive end here he comes and this guy was the number five running back here he comes it's his time now a chain's gone uh his time so uh but it's not gonna be the case they're gonna have to develop some of their own other guys that were not necessarily five-star players and they're going to have to like everybody else get in the portal uh just the ever-changing landscape of how to build rosters how to get players committed and how to keep them committed, to be quite honest, even while they're on your team. Out of time for hour number two. Appreciate the phone calls there in hour number two from Tony, Daryl, and Anthony. Out of time for hour number two. When we get into hour number three, a little bit more on Auburn football and basketball. And also want to talk a little bit about MLB free agency. Another huge signing at the shortstop position last night. Talk about what that means for Dansby Swanson and the Atlanta Braves coming back in hour number three. Stick with us. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call here on this Wednesday afternoon, getting you set for Auburn basketball as they take on Georgia State here in a couple of hours inside of Neville Arena. My name is Ryan Lloyd, joined by Brant Daughtry here for hour number three. Brooks Childress has departed and will be on his way to Neville Arena uh, to cover that game for our company. And so he is off the show now uh we will miss him greatly and we thank him for his contributions uh but hour number three ahead here has been a fun first couple of hours so far so to catch you up up to speed on what's been going on it's time for the daily show recap we've already finished the first two hours of sports call today (sighs) boy that escalated quickly i mean that really got out of hand fast it jumped up a notch it did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? Brant, good sir. Hello. Uh, what have we done on the show today? We have taken a lot of phone calls. Uh, we've talked a lot about talking. We've talked a lot about uh, Auburn basketball uh, uh, losing to Memphis last weekend and then uh, what, what they're going to try to do tonight against Georgia State. It's going to be a... Uh, 
uh, not as difficult game. It's one that Auburn expects to win. I believe the line is about 20 or so. So uh, hopefully Auburn can pull out a win there and, and look better than they did uh, when they played in Atlanta. And we've also talked a little bit about uh, what Mississippi State will be doing going forward, hiring Zach Arnett as their uh, new, uh, now permanent head coach, sign him to a, a four-year deal. And then uh, we've also talked about Auburn's coordinator hires. We talked a little bit about uh, Auburn's recruiting, which seems to be picking up a little bit. Uh, you've got four offensive linemen committed to play at Auburn now, which is a big deal. I haven't seen that at Auburn in a long time. So uh, Hugh Freeze is doing work on the recruiting trail, and hopefully we see more of that going forward. And uh, well, I'm sure we will. I mean, we're going to see a lot more of commitments here. I've been interested that Auburn is getting these flips, and not the marquee flips that they're trying to search for and that some people are really coveting, but uh, they are starting to build some of the numbers we've talked about. And we'd love to all you know, have a class full of 10 five-star and 12 four-star yeah. and just a couple three-star, but that's not how it's going to work, especially when you're as far behind as Auburn has been in the last year or so. Because, uh, again, your recruiting class is usually two years in advance. I mean, you're as much as you oh, Freeze yeah. is working really hard on this next week, but they're also trying to start to build those relationships for the next year. Yeah, you start sending guys letters. Those five-star guys, they're starters as freshmen in high school. I mean, some of them get letters as early as eighth grade from some people. Not official offers, but you start you you build communication with them. Hugh Freeze has not been recruiting for Auburn for the last four or five years the way that uh, pretty much that most of the coaches in this conference have. It's going to take a little while to get up to that point if Auburn ever does, and hopefully they do. Uh, Auburn is a big-time job. It is a top-15 program in all of college football, and you would like to see recruiting classes in the top five, top ten uh, in the in the uh, in the excuse me in the sport as well. And uh, Auburn will get back to that. I I genuinely believe they will. And uh, but it's like you said, you you recruit these kids over a long period of time. So you're not going to get a class full of five stars. And the number that it's rumored that Auburn wants right now is somewhere around 30, 30, maybe even 40 kids, 40 new faces to come in and fill out this roster. And not all of those guys are going to be five stars, if any. Right. Uh, So certainly a lot more work to do. Uh, The commitment, uh, or I guess the signing day, is coming up very soon. And obviously the portal is open. Uh, a notable visit this weekend coming from Grayson McCall. Many believe it is Auburn or Florida for him, the Coastal Carolina quarterback, who is playing in his bowl game if you want to scout. I think I read and saw slash researched maybe, what was it, like six interceptions in three years at Coastal Carolina yeah. or something like that. It was basically like 1% of his passes yeah. had been picked off. Less, He has thrown an interception on less than 1% of his passes in uh, his three years as a starter at Coastal Carolina. And I don't care who you're playing against. That is an impressive number. It shows great decision-making. He's been around 70% as a passer before. Uh, this is deemed by many to be the top quarterback in the transfer portal. I uh, also want to talk a little bit about defense, though. Ron Roberts, the uh, new defensive coordinator for Auburn. Interesting that Auburn slowly releasing these, uh, you know, these announcements today because <laughs> uh, Ron Roberts has been all about it on Twitter last couple of days, trying to make uh, Photoshop profile pictures for himself. He got a updated one yesterday, and then decided today to put a new one that's even clearly more clearly photoshopped on there, kind of making fun of his original Photoshop picture. But uh, you've also done uh, some research on Ron Roberts as well, Brent. So tell me uh, what you like and don't like about some of the research that you've done. Yeah, there's a uh, there's footage on YouTube of a coaching clinic that he does where he kind of goes through what he wants his defense to do and he talks about uh 
you know, the different coverages he likes to run and how he likes to disguise it. And it's a, it's a fun little 30, 45 minute watch. It, it, some parts, if you watch the entire thing, it may go up to about an hour and a half. Uh, but it, it, he talks a lot about something he loves is what he calls creepers. Um, and what that means is you bring guys up close to the line of scrimmage, they look like they're blitzing, and then they drop out. And you don't know. You show six, maybe even seven guys on the line, and you drop back three or four of those six or seven. It makes the offensive line think. It makes them make quick decisions. Uh, you can drop your normal edge rusher back into coverage, but you do bring uh, one of your inside linebackers. It makes the offense think a little bit, and thinking slows you down. So I, I, I do really like some of the stuff he does. Uh, he runs – it most of the time will look like a 4-2-5, which is what Auburn has been running over the past couple of years. But he does some extra stuff with his nickel. He calls it a star, but it's it's essentially a nickelback, which is uh, will be a combination uh, say, or corner, nickel corner, uh, and linebacker. So I think that's probably where you're going to see Donovan Kaufman. You may also see uh, uh, Keontae Scott in that role a lot. He played mo- Those two played most of the corner, uh, most of the nickel, I should say, most of the nickel corner for Auburn this year. So I think those two are going to take over at that spot. Um, something I don't love about it, uh, it's very easy to get beaten by alignment with that type of defense. But it, and I say that most defenses uh, have weaknesses if you can beat them by alignment, which is why I love offense. It's one of my favorite things to do is uh, the X's and O's of offense and how to beat guys with just by moving your personnel around. But uh, he plays a lot of different personnel. It's going most of his defenses when they have been successful have relied on personnel. You're going to need a stud nickel to play that star position you're going to need a really good nose guard uh to plug up the middle which i think auburn has right now and guys like jason jones and jeffrey imba i think those guys are going to get that main rotation at that nose tackle spot uh, and he who's going to line up on the center uh most of the time and uh, you're going to need some uh, a pretty stud outside linebacker to defend that edge he calls it a jack linebacker in his defense so if you can get those guys uh, who are pretty good, and I, I think the most important two are the Nick, are the uh, the nose guard and that Jack linebacker. If you can get two guys in that position and to fill those spots and be studs and make plays and kind of fill out around them, and you get a talented and athletic star uh, at that nickel spot, I, I think Auburn's going to be just fine on defense. But it, we've talked about it on this show a couple of times. Auburn has one scholarship edge rusher right now, so you've got to go out and you've got to find guys that are ready to play today. Uh, and I think that's going to be the next domino to fall in the transfer portal. I don't know any names, but that's got to be something that Auburn's looking at for sure. Right. I mean, it's a part of the massive rebuild because, again, I mean, it, it's really, uh, for lack of a better term, impressive how depleted the program was yeah, yeah, in yeah. such a short amount of time under Brian Harson due to lack of recruiting, a lot of transfers at depth positions. And that, the thing is, is this portal gives kind of renewed hope to quick rebuilds. If this was 15 years ago, Auburn would be destined for a very pedestrian year next year. Yeah, we, we would, um, you would see a lot of baby faces out there right. playing big-time college football. You just want to make sure you make a bowl game and you, you live with whatever else happens. Uh, but the portal gives you hope. If you get a big quarterback in, like a Grayson McCall, I know Spencer Sanders was a hot name for uh, the moment he went in the portal. You get someone like that. You get a dominant rusher, or you really add some offensive line that some of these other big schools uh, want. You, you get depth at some of your defensive positions that you sorely need. 
you know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to start spitballing without <laughs> any sort of, of, of knowing who actually those guys are that actually commit. But it gives you hope that if maybe not even in year one, maybe if it's not the gradual old school six and six becomes eight and four, becomes ten and two, becomes a national contender in year three or year four. If not that, that at least it can move up the process a year to where, all right, first year still might be kind of rough because you still just needed some sheer talent to come in and you needed some depth and uh, some some certain issues show. But if not in year one, year two, if you do a really good job in portaling and recruiting that sort of thing, year two you can really start the start to click and kind of show what you're what you plan to be as a program moving forward. Yeah, I think with with the transfer portal, you used to get kind of a year zero. It kind of became a proof of concept. Can you look better if this is run at, at the perfect level with a certain uh, with a certain kind of athlete? If you get better athletes in here. Will this work? Uh, with the advent of the transfer portal, that kind of goes away. But Auburn is just, it's just in such a unique spot right now. Of I, I've never been a fan of just go out and get bodies. You know, I want to see guys in here that are good enough to play here that can contribute. But the fact is, usually when I say that, you're saying you need to get guys in here that are better than what you have. Right now, there are some positions where Auburn just doesn't have anybody. So you need to go out and find the best warm body that you can get, even if that warm body can't really play with at the SEC level. You just need to go and get the best you can find because you just got to get somebody. Saying warm body multiple times uh, made me think there was a movie called Warm Body. So I remember that. Zombie Love or something. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch it. And I think it was a like a, a girl fell in love or a zombie fell in love with a living girl. I think was the premise. I never saw yeah, it. But I, I remember don't know. commercials for it. So it looked good. I unfortunately thought of that when you said that, and uh, it ruined your whole point because <laughs> I just, everything I thought about. But but you are right, though. I mean, traditionally, a place like Auburn expects to be a top fifteen program. You, you don't just take anybody at right. Auburn, or really at most of the places in the SEC. Um, but at this point. You're so depleted, you're going to have to accept a few people that normally you wouldn't be as keen in accepting. And look, to, to this point, they're not doing that. I mean, they're flips. I know they're three-star guys that they flipped thus far, but when Miami's got an offensive lineman, and I know by some services he is four-star, but when Miami's got an offensive lineman and you flip that offensive lineman, you're pretty proud of that flip no matter what the ranking says. And there's yeah. other guys that are other, you know, have all these other big offers that, okay, again, screw the rating in this regard because sometimes it's more about what other coaches see in you. And we've talked about this off air in recent days. Uh, this is something that, for those that remember Reed Slider, that uh, hosted the show before JJ did, you know, he was always big on offer sheet scouting. And I think there's something to that because, you know, in this time, you look at the top programs. And if I told you someone had an offer sheet of Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State and Miami, something like that, you would say to me, all right, well, where's this five-star player from? What position does this five-star player play? Oh, no, he's a three-star. Oh, so do you devalue the opinions of these other great programs or do you devalue the ranking of this simple scout that says, ah, I see him as a three-star? I tend to lean more towards the people that are actually doing the coaching and the evaluating 
at that school level. Not to say people don't get it right quite often as recruits because there is that blue chip metric that we've talked about in the show in recent weeks where you got to be uh, having a, 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 big, a good blue chip rate ratio to um, win a national championship according to those metrics. So I get that. There's credence to that. They're still good at their jobs. I'm not saying they're not. But there's always going to be exceptions. Always. When you're scouting 2,000 players, I mean, there's just no way to be right 2,000 straight times. Oh, yeah. And by uh, conversely, there's always the couple of five stars. I was like, wow, uh, did nothing as a uh-huh. five-star player. Uh-huh. Thought this guy was supposed to change the program. Couldn't even get on the field by his third year. So uh, I think that it's important to note that these guys that they're getting so far, I mean, competent programs have wanted these guys. Uh, these are real uh, flips that that could be very valuable for them. And there's gonna there's maybe going to be some that are not as much so, uh, but maybe they're also going to get some of these big four and five star guys that they are seeking. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, period. There's there's just a lot to do right now. There's a lot of guys Auburn's been talking to. Yeah, absolutely. I, and look, Auburn is not resting on its laurels right now. They're out recruiting, and and you you touched on it. You touched on offer sheet scouting and stuff like that. And and do you go stargazing or do you look at offer sheets? Let's talk specifically about Connor Liu, the 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 three slash four star center that Auburn got committed yesterday. The flip from Miami. First of all, he was committed to Miami. Anybody who anybody who Mario Cristobal wants can play on my football team, especially at the offensive line position. His other offers are from Clemson. Clemson's a big time program with a lot of great offensive linemen. Georgia. Georgia, who has just created a factory of NFL offensive linemen, they wanted this kid, and now, and now he's flipped to Auburn. So, Connor, the other thing is, if you know a kid is going to play on the interior of the offensive line, he is not a tackle, he's going to play guard or center. And Connor Lewis is projected to play center. He plays center in high school. Uh, he's six foot three. You really don't stick those guys anywhere other than center. Uh, you want your guards and tackles to be closer to 6'5". But Connor Liu is a center, and he's an interior offensive lineman. Interior offensive linemen very rarely get five stars. Most of them are four or three. And if you get a guy that most people know is going to play center, those guys do tend to hinge on that three to four mark. So by a lot of metrics, he is the number one center in the country. By some, he is somewhere closer to 50. That is just how widespread the opinions on this kid are. But uh, a lot of people think that this kid has the ability to come in and compete for for playing time early in his Auburn career. And I'm looking forward to seeing him and hopefully other guys that Auburn gets here pretty soon. Connor Liu, the big flip that we're talking about, flipped from Miami to Auburn yesterday. Auburn hopes to flip many more. Merry Flipmas is what uh, Trevon Reed and company have been putting out on Twitter. Auburn's going to host a lot more players, both in the high school ranks and in the transfer portal this coming up weekend. Let's go to our first break of hour number three. More sports call coming up after this timeout. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Weather brought to you by Auburn University Credit Union. Ease the stress this holiday season with a loan from Auburn University Credit Union. Apply in person or online at myaucu.org. Equal opportunity lender. Rates are subject to credit approval. Wednesday, we'll see high temperatures return into the mid-60s, around 65 degrees. However, 
that will not be the story. The story will be plentiful showers and thunderstorms. We'll start out early on Wednesday with the possibility of some isolated showers and thunderstorms progressing throughout the day. And as we go throughout the day, the storms will become more numerous. And by 7 or 8 o'clock at night, just about everyone will be getting wet with a main line of severe storms coming in to the eastern Alabama area around 9 p.m. to about 1 a.m. Those are the storms that will be the strongest throughout the day. There is a slight tornado threat for points south of our area, so it is unlikely that we will see any sort of threat with those particular storms, but they will be quite strong and, and could present us with a severe thunderstorm warning or two. Thursday will be a much more beautiful day, though. Highs in the low 60s, around 61, and we'll see the sun shine for the first time in a few days. I'm Ryan LaVoy for your Tiger Communications weather update. At Mid-South Bank, we pride ourselves on being the friendliest and most helpful bank in town. For over 100 years, we've been helping families prosper and helping businesses grow. Mid-South Bank is a local bank with local people making local decisions. We're a community bank who will always be there when you need us. Whatever banking services you need, we're here to help. Visit us today at 519 East Glen Avenue in Auburn or online at bankmidsouth.com. Equal Housing Lender, and Brad Jesse. Auburn basketball returns to the Auburn Sports Network. Between the legs, dribble, step back, three, bang! Tonight, the Tigers return to Neville Arena to host Georgia State. Spin move, Krug in the hole with two hands. Up and under with the left hand. Yes! Yes! Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30 Central on your home for Auburn basketball. Auburn University men's basketball on WQSI. FM Talk 93.9. We're live from Auburn Bank Signing Day. Angela scanning the closing documents. Looks like the competitive rate her Auburn Bank mortgage lender promised. She gets the pen. Clicks it once, twice. Spin move! And we have a signature! Angela Green is a first-time homeowner. With competitive rates, online applications, and hands-on mortgage lenders, the wins just feel bigger. Auburn Bank, champions of you. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. NMLS number 403461. Hi, I'm Darren with Master Graphics and Light and Screen Printing. At Master Graphics, we can help you take your event or company promotion to the next level with custom apparel screen printed right here in Auburn. We have a huge selection of brands like Comfort Colors, Gildan, and Bella Canvas. And at Master Graphics, you work with our in-house artists to bring your vision to life. Let our team help make your business, school event, or family gathering a success with custom apparel from Master Graphics. Stop by and see us today at 175 South Gay Street or give us a call at 887-8755. Season's greetings and happy holidays from all of us here at Tiger Communications. This time of year, we want to send our heartfelt well wishes to all of our loyal listeners and great partners. We couldn't keep bringing you all the best music and talk radio without each and every one of you. As you take part in your holiday plans, make sure you make us a part of your celebrations. Happy holidays from the Tiger Communications family. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lavoie, Brant Dottry with you here, filling in again for J.J. Jackson. 
He will be the color commentator with Wiley Ballard tonight on SEC Network Plus broadcast of Auburn basketball as they take on Georgia State. So that's where J.J. is. He is inside of Neville Arena as we speak. We talked about it early in the show. wanted to get to it here now as we're about halfway through the final hour of the show. wanted to talk a little bit about baseball free agency. Of course, still a proud Atlanta Braves affiliate and news kind of relevant to the Braves and especially to Dansby Swanson last night. Shortstop Carlos Correa, one of the top names on the market, certainly one of the last uh, elite names left in the market. And the San Francisco Giants agreed to a, wait for it, 13-year, $350 million contract. Uh, that is quite large. Correa turned down two years ago $160 million from the Houston Astros in extension. He then made... 35.1 last year in his one year as a Minnesota twin and now gets to sign 13 years at 350 million dollars so Carlos Correa again these very long contracts in Major League Baseball that we've seen this offseason Carlos Correa uh, as we speak uh, is already uh, I believe 28 years old I'm double checking right now he is indeed 28 so 13 plus 28 is 41. That's math. And uh, at that point, that means Carlos Correa is signed through his age. 41 season, uh, which is utterly excessive. And so utterly, the last shortstop remaining of these great shortstops on the market, Trey Turner, who's now Philadelphia Philly, Xander Bogarts, who's now a San Diego Padre, he's also signed through his age 41 season, and now Carlos Correa that leaves one great shortstop on the market. His name is Dan's Bay Swanson, and uh, he is still a free agent. Uh, there were reports a week or two ago the Braves had an offer of six years, 160, which is uh, approximately half of what uh, Carlos Correa just got in years <laughs> and, and money. Uh, to me, reading between the lines, this is probably even further bad news for the Braves trying to retain Swanson because there's still three or four teams out there. Um the Dodgers, the Cubs, and I think there was one more. I mean, the Twins just lost Correa, so maybe the Twins. Uh, that now need a shortstop pretty badly and will be willing to spend a good bit on it. And now that Swanson's seen Bogarts get this 10-year deal that he got the other day, Trey Turner got, a, I think, a 10- or 12-year deal, and now a 13-year deal for Correa – I don't know if six for 160 would even be the asking price now, just 24 hours later. Yeah, it's kind of weird watching all these numbers go down. I thought the Braves were going to be a lot more active in free agency than they have been. I thought they were going to get one of the big-name pitchers, uh, either Justin Verlander or Jacob deGrom. Ended up passing on both of those guys, or not maybe not passing, but not being able to grab either of them. Uh, and. You know, I thought they were they if they were going to go out and get another shortstop, I didn't think it would be Dansby Swanson. But now, pretty much all the big name free agents have signed somewhere other than Atlanta, which means that the Braves have no excuse to say, "Hey, we're going to go to Von Grissom at short uh, and sign one of these other big name, big money free agents," because all those guys are have signed their names for elsewhere. So you've, I feel like at this point, if you don't go and get Dansby, I mean, what, what what's the plan? What's the plan here? If you let him go, it seems to be the Dodgers are getting the most chatter. Maybe. I don't know. But you you pay a lot more attention to the rest of Major League Baseball than I do. I, I'm a Braves fan, and that's pretty much all I look at. 
But if the Braves don't go and re-sign Dansby, what is the plan? Where do you go from there? I know where you, you have Von Grissom to play short, but you've still got a, a gaping black hole in left field. You still need at least one more uh, starting pitcher. You need a couple of bullpen guys. Uh, where else are you going? I mean, what's, what, I mean, what, what's the plan? What do you think the plan is? I thought that they the first hole in the plan I thought they were going for was actually in the Sean Murphy trade. I thought they would trade Contreras for an outfielder, for a corner outfielder. Um, when they used him in that uh, upgrading of the catcher move, which, again, by the way, I think is just inching upgrade. I mean, Travis Darno has been completely competent. Um, and I think their plan is generally some, genuinely some DH at-bats, but then my question is, um, I still don't know why at this point, uh, you know, if they ultimately decide to waive Marcelo Zuna, I don't, I don't see a trade taker for him right now. I think you'd, you'd at least have to pay most of his contract to get someone to take him. Uh, and the only way Ozuna's batting for you is if he's the designated hitter, and he's still a powerful hitter. But uh, you know, it wasn't obviously all flowers for him last year. And I'm talking about on the field in that regard. I mean, he, you know, he. I think he's got a place in Major League Baseball because, again, I think he's 25 to 30 home run power, but uh, he hit 220 or so last year, and you know that that's not good enough to warrant bad defensive play. I mean, it's not good enough to make, I think, around 14, 16 million that he's making. And so I thought they would use Contreras to acquire another outfielder because Rosario had a bad year last year. We just talked about Azuna. Uh, Acuna should, in parentheses, should be healthy enough to play in the outfield every day next year. Um, but then you're still kind of looking at, well, Michael Harris can be very important in year two. I mean, Michael Harris is going to have to be the same Michael Harris we saw as a rookie. It's very possible he will, but we've seen one year. We've seen one sample of it. Uh, so you never really know. And I just – I don't know. They're, they're going to have to have something surpri- – they're going to have to have Rosario return to form or something surprisingly good out of Azuna if they don't do anything. So that leaves shortstop. Uh, one of the rumors we've talked about in the show before is signing Elvis Andrews, uh, an older player, to kind of platoon help, and help uh, Von Grissom learn so that Grissom is not responsible for all 160 games uh, at short and uh, can, can, again, learn some more things and that sort of thing. But – you know, I, I, I think it's a, a little disappointing, ultimately. And I put my GM cap here on. I personally, and this oh, people might not agree with this, that's fine. I personally don't think Dansby Swanson's worth the huge contract he's going to command. Uh, I think the yeah. market uh, for elite players is probably uh, too high. I don't think anyone should be signed through their age 41 season. Albert Pujols... Pl- prove that albert Pujols is one of the best five hitters of all time no worse than one of the best 10 hitters of all time and his contract was deemed bad three years into it and even though he had a nice little redemption with the cardinals this year he was kind of bad for three or four years (laughs) and he was injured all the time he was nothing like the st louis the original st louis cardinals albert Pujols at all in los angeles and that scared people off of these big deals. And now we've seen these last couple of years, people are going back to these huge deals, these deals that just disregard the fact that 40 years old is freaking old for a professional athlete. It's not old for us as human beings. It's we're halfway home. But for, <laughs> but for a, a Major League Baseball player, you're done at 40. I mean, you're done. And so 
I, I just can't believe that that's the going rate for these guys. And so when I look at Dansby Swanson by the numbers, okay, and, and here's the thing that helped Dansby Swanson immensely. He had his best season of his career last year. Oh, by a lot. Uh, he was an all-star, 25 homers, 96 RBIs, hit 277. He had hit 27 homers the year before, but he hit 248. But here's the reality on Dansby Swanson, and Swanson has played six full seasons in Major League Baseball. He also had 38 games uh, when he's called up in 2016. He's played seven, so six-plus years. He is a career 255 hitter. He has hit below 250 in a season three times out of six seasons. And, yes, his power has uh, come around these last couple years. I would now call him about a 25 home run hitter, which is well above average for a shortstop. It's not the top, but it's probably top five or seven power for shortstop. And he plays a great shortstop. That's great. But to me, if you're paying someone $25 million a year, which is ultimately about what he's going to get, and you're going to do it until, I assume, he's he asked for six years, but I assume he's going to get more than that. So you're going to have to pay him into his late 30s. I'm sorry, but I don't need to have any doubts about anything. And my doubt with Dansby is, is he really a 275 hitter like he hit last year? Is he more the 250 or below hitter he's been the three of his six years? And, again, I know that the, the sentiment around him is he's a brave. You take care of the braves. You just let one slip. Like, I had no doubts about Freddie Freeman and who he was. I knew Freddie Freeman would hit around 300. I knew he'd hit between 20 and 30 home runs. I knew he'd hit a lot of doubles. I knew he'd have a lot of RBIs, and he'd play a good first base. And Disney Swanson checks a couple of those boxes, but Freddie Freeman did not get uh, that much bigger of a contract, if at all, of what Dansby got. I'm, I'm going to look re- remind myself, Freddie Freeman – with the Dodgers, got six for 162. So it's actually the, the same number Swanson's asking for. So if you wouldn't pay Freeman that, why would you give that to Swanson? Yeah. There's no world Swanson's more valuable than Freddie Freeman. Um, and, and so my, my the reality is this. It's painful as a fan to watch a beloved player leave two years in a row. But from a managing perspective, what they're doing this year, unfortunately, makes a lot of sense because – for the Braves to already have 10, 15 million a year committed to seven, eight, nine other players. If Riley a huge contract, Olsen a big contract. Uh, we know Michael Harris got a hefty contract. Uh, well, we, most Acuna of your, has a nice contract. Most of your young guys are locked up for the next decade. And or that's so. awesome. They've locked up a core, and that's yeah. great. But it takes the, a lot of money to lock up eight to 10 players. And so when they sign Dansby Swanson, they're going to go into the luxury tax. And Again, you when you start going in luxury tax, you have to be sure in what you're getting. And there's people out there that are going to swear by Dansby Swanson, and that's great. Dansby Swanson clearly had an awesome season. If he has that year for the next five or six years, I will look like an idiot, and good for <laughs> me, shut me up. But I don't think he's going to hit 275 every year the rest of his career and i don't think he's going to live up to being a top three or four shortstop which is what 25 million dollars a year should do if you're making 25 million a year you've got to be the lead at your position and he is great defensively i don't think that will go away he'll always be great defensively but i don't know if you have a weird year where you don't hit 26 homers and you hit 16 homers or you do hit under 250 like he has three out of six times that's not living up anywhere close to $25 million a year. So I, that long spiel is to say 
I think the Braves are fair to not do six for 160. I think that they uh, should be looking closer to the high teens. And ultimately, Swanson's going to get $25 million a year from the Cubs or from the Dodgers, <laughs> so the Braves won't get him. But I think that the market value for him is too high. And hell, again, if Carlos Correa needs 13 freaking years, with all due respect to Carlos Correa, that's not going to be a good contract either because by no. year seven, you're going to still owe $130 million for a guy that's playing like 90 games a year hitting 240 at that point. Yeah. Hey, can I share with you something that has bothered me about the way people have handled this? I was. Dansby Swanson does not deserve the same level of respect that Freddie Freeman has. He is he is not the same player. He did not go. Th- he was not with the Braves as long. He has not done as much for Atlanta as Freddie Freeman did. People keep talking about oh, we you just let a you just let a, a franchise cornerstone walk. You can't do the same thing. It, Dansby Swanson is not Freddie Freeman. He's in my opinion, he's not close. Freddie Freeman is a top three player at his position. I think. Do you disagree? Or I mean, you—he's a top three player. Okay, yes. I, like base, like yes. I, like we said earlier, you pay a lot more attention to all thirty-one teams in Major League Baseball. I pay attention to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but Freddie, I don't think Dansby Swanson is to Atlanta what Freddie Freeman was. He was not there as long. He did not do as much. He did not suffer through the low times like Freddie Freeman did. Uh, I agree. And, and I, I just. If we let Dansby Swanson walk, we the Braves, if the Braves let Dansby Swanson walk, I will not be nearly as heartbroken as I was when Freddie Freeman left. Uh, I, I think that I would love to have him. But like you say, if you overvalue a guy who in his best year is going to hit 270 and hit 26, 27, he'll bump up against 30 home runs. I mean, that's great. That's awesome. You you love to have that. It's a luxury if you have a shortstop that can hit like that. But I, I don't know if he's worth $25 million. I don't know if he's worth that amount of money that's getting thrown around right now. And like you say, Carlos Correa is going to be 41 by the time that contract comes up. And I, what you start slowing down athletically about 33, 34. Yep. The year, he's not going to be the same guy when that contract comes up. It's going to be a good contract for about half of the half of its life. Uh, and at that point, you're stuck in a hole. And you just hope that in that first half, you've gotten something out of this guy. You've, you've gotten trophies out of this guy. And I just I don't know if I'm prepared to take that risk. When you've got a guy in Vaughn Grissom who has proven himself to be an excellent defensive player, is a natural shortstop and was just moved to second base out of necessity, and has shown flashes of being a really good hitter as well. So if you can get that for a lot cheaper than you can get Dansby Swanson, if you run that risk of overvaluing him, and you're comfortable with Von Grissom, I don't see any harm in letting him walk. My question is still going to be, who do you play in the outfield? I'm, I think Eddie Rosario got a bad rap last year. I think he was in a much... I think he was in such a bad place uh, after that surgery. I had the, Didn't have surgery as I was screwed up. Had the surgery, came back, and was just never the same. He started getting better towards the end of the season, but like it never cre- his batting average never crept up to above 200, which is just unacceptable for a starter at the major league level. Uh, so you have to hope that either he gets better or you've got to go out and find another outfielder. And like we've said, all the big names are pretty much snatched up at that spot couple more things here, um, and then we'll take our final break of the show. Uh, I, I don't want to save everyone. I'm going to drag everyone under a bus. Trey Turner, uh, the, the 11-year deal that he just signed, um, it was 11 years for $300 million, So that average value, quick math, that's 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty close to 30 yeah. million. Just, just under 38. Just under 30 million. So he'll be 41 when that ends, too, because he's, uh, or no, he'll be, yes, he'll be 41 when that ends. Okay, one of the great things that, about Trey Turner is he's one of the fastest players in the league. Um, he has stolen 230 bases in his career compared to just 42 caught stealings. Awesome speed. So one of the things you're paying for when you get Trey Turner speed. That's great. That's awesome. You know what he's not going to do in five years when he's 34? Be that fast? Yeah, because last year, 2022, his age 29 season, he was 27 to 30 stealing bases. That's awesome. Fantastic. That's great stuff. Except for the fact that's the least amount of stolen base attempts he'd had in his entire career except for the COVID short in 2020. He played 160 games last year. He was not injured at all. Not at all. And so my point is he's already maybe not running as much. He might have one or two more big years of running. But again, part of what makes Trey Turner Trey Turner is the running, the menace he is on the base pass. I'm not getting that under any scenario age 40. And I might not get it age 35. So I don't love that contract because, again, we're talking length here. If I could sign him for five years at that deal, absolutely. You get all the prime years and none of the baggage at the end. But uh, that's what these teams are paying for, the baggage at the end. The Freddie Freeman versus Dansby Swanson comparison. Last thing. Swanson played six-plus years in Atlanta. Freddie Freeman played 12. Uh, Freddie Freeman's 162-game average. It's a beautiful tool that baseball reference employs. So his 162-game average of his entire career, He's if he plays a whole season, 27 home runs, 98 RBIs, a 298 hitter, 39 doubles a year. For Dansby Swanson, his 162-game average, 32 doubles, so that's seven less doubles, 20 home runs, so that's nine less homers, 81 RBIs, 17 less RBIs, and 255. It's 43 points below Freddie Freeman. Again, Freddie Freeman, say he's older. That's why maybe not as much money on the six-year deal. Wanted one or got six years, 162 million. Dansby Swanson wants six years, 160 million. Those are not the same player. And I again, the one thing you can yell at me about is age. And Freddie will be pretty old at the end of the deal. He's 33 now, so he'll be 38-ish when it ends. But again, if you're going more than six years with Swanson, we're going to get in the same territory because Swanson's 28. So if you go eight or nine years, you're going to get 36, 37. And again, that's a player that in his prime has not been as productive as Freddie Freeman was. So I think that's a good point, Brant. It means a lot to the Braves. It does not mean what Freddie Freeman meant to the Braves. All right, out of time for that segment. Just a couple minutes left in the show when we come back. The Nightly TV Guide, that's up next. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment of the Wednesday edition of Sports Call today. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, keeping you company here. Counting you down till Auburn, Georgia State. Just over an hour away in Neville Arena. 
Not that Neville Arena is an hour away, but an hour away from tip-off. Hopefully everyone knew what I meant by that. Also, airtime over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, and a little bit under an hour, 6.30 to be exact. Just a couple minutes left in the program today. And so it's time for something we do each and every day. It's the Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. Uh, or, yes, uh, on, the, on the TV Guide today, we've got Ohio and Florida, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. We got men's, more men's college basketball, Stephen F. Austin and Louisiana Tech, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Drexel and Seton Hall, 6 o'clock on FS1. Drexel Dragons, one of the better names out there. Uh, men's college basketball again, number 19 Auburn, hosting Georgia State inside of Neville Arena. Again, 7 o'clock, that's on the SEC Network. Plus, Auburn hopes to rebound after that loss to Memphis on Saturday in Atlanta. And again, while you've heard me and Brant and Brooks earlier, uh, J.J. Jackson will be doing color commentary on that game. So check him out, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. And then one hockey game tonight, 6.30 on TNT. It's going to get wild. The Minnesota Wild and the Detroit Red Wings. I see what you did there. And, uh, Brant, we were talking a little bit earlier. That is your Sports Call Nightly TV guide. A little bit earlier, our Anaheim Ducks. Oh boy, uh, failing to quack this year. Yeah, not quacking, not quacking real hard. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a fan of the Anaheim Ducks because that was just, we just the, mandated that, it on the show. That, that was the random team that this show selected because I said I didn't have an NHL team. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks are the worst team in the National Hockey League in my first year as a fan. Um, their goal differential so far this year is minus sixty. The second worst goal differential in the NHL, I believe it belongs to the Kings. Uh, but either way, or, their, yeah. their, their goal differential is minus 35. So worst minus 60, second worst minus 35. That is how bad my Anaheim Ducks are. Last night, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs hung a touchdown on them. It was seven to nothing. Was the final? Not good, Bob. Not great. Not good. And that is your that is your nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, that will do it for the show today. Brant, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate all those who tuned in and called in as well. We also appreciate Brooks Childress, who had a great two hours in the studio and is in Neville Arena now. For all those that tuned in and called in, we appreciate you. For Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Hope you have a great evening. Enjoy Auburn basketball, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.